It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. Tell me something good. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to yet another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast, already to number 86. Heinz Ward, I guess, is what Kenny selected for you. Of course, based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, available in hardcover, in paperback, go. and also in audiobook. Those are your dulcet tones on the audiobook? Yeah, man, it's me. That's your, and, yeah, I love it. That's a, so that's your voice. People can listen to this and actually hear you, the words that you wrote. They can hear you actually say that. I can tuck people in at night when they go to bed. They Yikes. can be listening to those, that's a, those kinda, pearly tones. So, so, I just turned, took a creepy turn right <laughs> there. Uh, introduce us to your guest, uh, who a lot of us know via our work at ESPN West correct. Palm or Honda Classic, or Palm Beach County, because he's such an integral man as far as sports, entertainment, community, the county's concerned. By all means, the floor is yours. Wow, fantastic. So uh, my friend Pete Falcone is here today. Um, Pete and I know each other like a ridiculous amount of years. Sorry to hear that. Pete. But I credit him. I'm going to let him tell his story. But I credit with him for being almost the start of my speaking career. Is that right? Because he reached out. Four or five years ago, maybe five years ago, and said, uh, "Hey, I'm doing my year-end meeting, and uh, would you be interested in you know coming in and revving up my team?" Which we did, and that turned out to be a business development client. And so, in addition to being a really cool guy who has a really cool business, he's like one of my first clients in this space. Indeed. So, welcome yeah. aboard, Mr. Pete. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Owner, CEO, JP Sports Entertainment, LLC. I kind of know what y'all do because it is an exciting platform, as you said. And, and, and it's a sexy platform involving athletes and celebrities and charitable events and marketing and branding and brand building. But I think it's probably best that you explain a little bit about what it is the company does and how it is the company does it. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. You did a good job, by the way. Thank you very much. I appreciate so, it. To date, Steve and I, I think the first time we met, Don Shula was on your voicemail. Oh, my God. That is right? correct. Wow. Look so at when you. was that? That's right. Oh, you know what? I do remember that. When you were down in uh, Plantation. When we were in Plantation. Yeah, that's right. That's a long time someone ago. was trying to put us together forever, and then it finally happened. Probably Jamie Bruce. Jamie Bruce, man. Yeah. Now, Pete, this memory, now, man. Now, when you say Don Shula was on his voicemail, was it saying, hey, Steve, I need that money back? Or was it going, hey, you've reached Steve's phone? No, it was probably the, the former. The outgoing message. <laughs> oh, it was great. Yeah, we actually had a great relationship with Coach Hula. We mm -hmm. did a lot of work together. Yep. And one day we were in the studio and we said, hey, Coach, would you be willing to do our voicemail? And he was like, yeah. sure. So we wrote a script for him and he was like, hey, you've reached on the ball and, yeah, you know, and went through the whole thing. And then at the end he goes, Yes, this is Don Shula, not my idea. It was Noodleberg. <laughs> Steve made me do it. All right, so tell us a little about the company. What it is you guys do, please? Yeah, so we, you know, we started the agency in 2007, and I had worked for Jack Nicholas before that. So at one point, never heard of him. Right, he's a good man, <laughs> great family, good man. So at one point, almost everything we did was golf, and we've branched out from there. And the last year I worked from Jack for Jack was the first year that we did Michael Jordan celebrity event. Mm -hmm. So that segued us into the world of celebrity events, which really were just taking off. And at when that you point. say celebrity events, we're talking about golf tournaments, charity celebrity golf events. What are we talking about? Charity galas. What are we talking about? It can be all of the above. I mean, if you look, look around both locally and nationally, it can be everything from bowling to poker to mm -hmm. golf 
I mean, fishing any sport yeah, fishing. Yeah, We're yeah. doing a fishing deal for Paul George are, next year. These are primarily iconic sports figures, entertainment sports figures, and their foundations. There's right. a charity component to this. Yeah, whether they have a foundation proper or they're just earmarking where the money goes, right. every, every single celebrity event we've done is a fundraiser. Fantastic. And, and there are so, so many people who have done the work poorly that, you know, I think celebrities really look for a real trusted... Well, you have to. That's, yeah. 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 It's, I hope so, you know, and hopefully we're one of the solutions. But, yeah, I mean, every foundation's different. Every athlete's different. You know, nowadays with the big four sports, they're all so young, mm-hmm. right, not to date ourselves. But yeah. a lot of these kids are in their early 20s, and they're not ready to do it. And yeah. the challenge is finding the guys that are ladies that can do an event and put their name on it, and you can re- make enough money that it's meaningful for them. And for every one of them, it's a different number, right? For right. a guy like Michael or Derek Jeter, it's seven figures. Mm-hmm. For some folks, a hundred, you know, a couple hundred grand is a really successful event, and it's that's okay, start, right? I mean, Michael did that years ago. Right, they all grow to, you know, the status that they are now. Right, I mean, you know, if you're working with Alonzo or D Wade, you're at one level, and you know, the backup point guard probably wouldn't be at the same level, right? So, everybody's got a different number. Everybody's got a different way of going about it. Both the resources they bring to the table. It's our job to help them develop the idea correctly and then navigate it so that they're represented properly. And we're not their agent, nor do we want to be. Mm-hmm but we represent them in effect. So if we do our job on the front end correctly, right. then hopefully they're set up for success. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um, so you've done, obviously we talked about uh, Jordan. You also did Jeter. Uh, do you still, does he do anything yeah. or is he not? You know? Yeah, we've done five with Derek and we just signed up for three more in Vegas. Oh, so, no kidding. And so what the, kind of events are those? That, that's, a, that's a charity celebrity golf event? Derek's is a golf event, but it's yep. a four-day event where they play golf. Last year we had a Pitbull concert, mm-hmm. you know, woven into it. We do a business summit with C-level uh, folks. Mm-hmm. And the topic changes every year. So that's a big event with a lot of moving parts. Sometimes it's a one-day outing, whether it's fishing for Paul George or golf for Clay Thompson. Um, you know, sometimes there's another element, maybe a party the night before with some level of entertainment. It just depends. I mean, we build it in a way, hopefully, that the host or hostess is excited about it and wants to do it more than once. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that looks different for different folks, right? I mean... Clay Thompson's not a real serious golfer, but he's taken it up, so we did golf. Right. Right? Paul George, I don't think, has ever played, so for mm-hmm. him it was fishing. Gotcha. Right? We did poker with Chris Paul one year. I mean, it just depends. Whatever they're passionate about. And, yeah. and this is reflective in a lot of ways of the experiential, I guess, nature of 2020, where we're at, where people want experiential. They want that actual activity together amongst each other, which is different than, say, a decade or even two ago, where the emphasis wasn't as much on the experiential doing things with those folks. Yeah, I would agree. And you guys know as a media company, and there's so much more going on now here than when I met Stevie 15 years ago, I think. Not, uh, not Steve Paul Zinner, yeah, not Paul Zinner, right. But, um, you know, the whole world's changed. I mean, I was, just, I was at Tiger's event the last two days in the Bahamas, and we were talking about how the world's changed. And, you know, the analogy I would give, you know, early on, if you did any of these televised events, like a Boca Bowl or that you guys do, or a golf mm-hmm. tournament with Michael or, or whatnot, you almost couldn't help but get a two or three rating, right? But that was before the media world changed so much. I mean, it's just so now it's so, it's so diluted. Yeah, yeah. You, just, you can't deliver Fractured. the media piece. So we've got to really focus on the B2B and or the experiential. And I always, I joke, you know, we're not great. We're not, our events aren't where Coca-Cola wants to spend money. There aren't mm-hmm. enough eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. We're great for Wheels Up. Mm. We're great for Bentley. You know, the, they, they saw one car, they're excited. You're right? micro-targeting there. We have to. Yeah. Well, so. the interesting side of that business, having you know the time that we worked together, was that it's one thing to have this great property, but then someone actually has to go out and sell it. Mm-hmm. Someone has to put the sponsorships together, sell the sponsorships, sell the foursomes, which you know go into it. And so your network is fairly broad because you're dealing not only with the celebrity side, you're dealing with the B two B side, you're dealing with CEOs, 
with uh, VPs of sales, sure. people who are looking to put together opportunities that they can leverage with their client bases. So mm-hmm. it's it's a unique business because just getting the opportunity with an athlete is only one part of it. You actually have to deliver the audience that's there and you have to help raise the money and, right. you know, and orchestrate, you know, so I think you're, you know, it's very tough because people think, oh man, what a sexy business. Yeah. You know, they, that's <laughs> well, it really, is on the surface. It, it is. It looks like it. You it know, is on the you surface. Know it is. That you have to manage and work everything that's happening there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, you know, we did an event, you know, the, the celebrity piece is still what people identify with us. Mm-hmm. And it's still really when our phone rings the most often. Of course. Um, but we've branched more and more into the corporate because there really aren't enough celebrities that can carry an event for three, five plus years where they can make enough money that they feel good about it. And then we can actually make some money, mm. right? We're not a nonprofit. Of course. So we've segued over into the corporate space more and more, but same thing. We're, you know, we're not trying to chase the world of RFPs and Steve, you right. know, right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we're not trying to compete with the biggest agencies in Manhattan. We try to really get uh, more focus on who can use our help. I mean, we did an event at Pebble beach a month ago for an association that created a CEO summit. And the reason they hired us wasn't because our team's really good at hospitality, although we are, mm-hmm. and they needed that. It was because we helped them figure out a sponsorship marketing plan where they could go beyond, you know, their endemics and get some other folks that were more niche to round it out and a, you know, cover their budget and make mm-hmm. some money because it was a nonprofit association. But nonetheless, it was a totally off the grid event that we don't publicize, mm-hmm. but it killed it. And what do you learn from that? Because that is a departure to some degree, at least perceptively, it's a different uh, approach. What do you learn from an event like that? What, what more your company's capable of, I guess? I think it's every year. I mean, we're small. I've got 12 full-time people, right? right? So every year we try to get more and more focused on who we go after. We, you know, we don't cold call and that's not born out of arrogance. It's, it's a bandwidth issue, mm-hmm. right? So we have to be more focused on where we've got a niche and can get, get into it. I mean, for us, a cold call is if we see something in the trades or Steve and I have a conversation and it's more of a, you get irritated that you're not doing business with these guys. So you try to figure out how to get to them. Mm-hmm. That's our cold call. I mean, I don't have the room out here that uh, Good Karma has with a bunch of guys, you know, doing a ton of emails and phone calls and it's a different game, right? Sure. You, you guys have so much inventory that you have to sell. We don't own any inventory typically other than the events we manage. Mm. And in that case, yes, we need to sell as much as we can, create more assets that you can sell so the budgets do even better. But it's a, it's a different ballgame. Like we, you know, we, I've built my career if, if I'm a decent sales guy, like I never want Josh Cohen to get a phone call from me and he looks at his phone and Falcone's on. He's like, what's he selling me now? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. So, and th- you know, that's a great takeaway for the people that listen to this. Cause if you become that guy, you're basically done. Sure. You, you know, no matter, you know, you want to be that guy that when that phone lights up, it's like, Hmm, we what, talk, what's, we- what's happening there. You know, what information can you deliver? Oh, I didn't know that. What can I learn? Who can I know? Every other episode, I must bring it up, the Maya Angelou, I call it principle, yes. where she wrote, people forget the things you say and the things you do, they never forget the way you make them feel. When I look at my phone and it says, Pete's calling, I should feel, this is exciting. Whatever I'm doing, I want to stop and do it. Without a People doubt. know your agenda. People can see through the bullshit. People know whether you're authentic, which is what you write about in the book. Authenticity truly matters, and even more now, than maybe before because people are better at detecting agenda, hidden agenda in the bullshit. You know, the, you know, for his stuff, it is clearly an emotional sale. If you don't like Michael Jordan, which you're one of the few people on the planet that might be able to say that you're not going to be interested in the stuff he's putting together and what, you know, sure. so, so it's clearly, you know, you are attaching to people's emotion. Mm-hmm. And part of that is knowing what their emotion is. You've done this for years. Mm-hmm. And one of the curious things I, I, I wanted to ask you was you've seen business change dramatically from the time you work with, you know, 
you know, back with Jack mm-hmm. to now, what are the big thing? What are the big takeaways that your team is seeing a shift in that you know maybe the audience would want to hear? I mean, Josh said it earlier. The experiential and the you can't access opportunities are, mm. are more and more prevalent for us. Access. So, you know, we we did an event for one of the Vegas casinos a couple of weeks ago, and we generated the right idea, and it got the the hosts and their clients access to something that they wouldn't have been able to pay for. That's what it's all oh, about. I'm so now. glad so, you said that because that's the key, and that's what people want. And that's right. where, and, and, you know, it's not just corporate, it's not just celebrities, it's not just CEOs and big shots of companies like Steve Politziner. It's also, if you see, there's a certain, I'm not going to mention them by name, but there's a certain cell phone provider who their ad campaign isn't about their coverage. It isn't about their product. It isn't about how the family savings plan, they're taking normal people that pay 60 bucks a month for their cell phone plan and having them go, they got us into the concert. We got to meet so-and-so. We got to go it's to the NFL combine. And the guy yeah. goes, they don't even sell right. tickets for that. Access and experiential is everything in this corporate world because they're pitching it to folks using $60 cell phone so, plans. So here's the other side of that, which is, I think is a, you'll, you'll understand the question, is that when you have access to stuff like that, people come out of the woodworks and expect you to get them a ticket. Of course. Yes. We're not willing to pay. They're not part of anything. They go, oh, but can you get me over to the Michael Jordan event? Right. You know, it's like, seriously, dude? Of course. It's, it's what I do for a living. I can't, you know. I mean, Paul Tunes has been asking me to get to that event for years now. <laughs> I believe it. You know, like if the, if the Gators get in the uh, Orange Bowl, which I think they will, I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be a really hard ticket. I mean, with all of the Gator fans you have, you know, so people don't realize the other side of yeah. when you are connected. Oh, and putting- listen, I got a buddy at Live Nation, and he says he gets calls and emails from friends that say, hey, I'm trying to get those front row for Dave Matthews. Man, willing to pay for it, of course, if I need to. And then he tells him, sure, we got a couple of those. They're X amount. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm good. Never hear from We thought you were willing to pay for it a moment ago. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. So this no, but book, that's exactly Yeah, but you know, one of, one of the things that we, we focus on, I mean, you know, every, we talk about this all the time because we're somewhat selling the invisible, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sitting here with a pile of, I don't have seven, seven suites at the Orange Bowl that right. I've got to unload over it's the last few hard asset, right. So right. we're always trying to figure out how do we get these guys engaged, come up with a good idea. And, um, you know, some, one of our advantages, you know, that our team feels like they deliver is a, a far more personalized level of service, mm-hmm. right? And without naming the agency, there's a client that we're working with right now on one of the big sporting events in the spring, and they've got one of the you know, top five big sports marketing agents on retainer for, mm-hmm. you know, millions a year. And they called us because they can't get the attention they need to, mm. to source something wow. that they think will be important for their CEO customers. Wow. So it's not rocket science, mm-hmm. but either you, either you respond quickly or you don't. And then obviously, you know, are you transparent? Do you deliver? And, you know, some events, everybody's got nightmare stories. You show up at the Oscars and your tickets aren't there or the Masters or the Super Bowl, right? So we're a trusted source, but, you know, you're not going to see us in the back of the SBG, SBJ uh-huh. You know, talking about it because again, we're not owning the inventory. Right. You know, Nudeberg's client calls me today and says, "I need X." Then we figure out how to source it, and if it's priced reasonably, then Which you know, hopefully done. we do the we've project. We've done that. You Absolutely. know, always and having a trusted source. But I find that interesting because in the world we're in, especially for me and my brand, one of the ways I've been successful is I'm shouting it out on social media. Hey, look at us. Look at what I'm doing. Look mm-hmm. who I'm doing it with. What's going on? And you guys do none of that. Mm. I mean, you are definitely the quiet company if they're, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, part of it's me. You know, on the one hand, I'm probably not that humble. On the other hand, we try to do business the right way. And mm-hmm. in all seriousness, you know, it's, it's not our job to brag about what we do for the celebrities, for example. You know, we're promoting their brand. Right. right? So we have a steadfast rule that no, no one on our team can do any social media about those events. The only thing that we would do as a company is, is uh, repost something that's already out in the public domain. Sure. Because why not? Right. Well, uh-huh. Which is fascinating the for the world we live in now because right. that is 
that's anti-everything well, But there's a, there's a level of discretion, and there's a level right. of, well, you, you know, know. There's right. a level of Barry right. Sanders scoring the touchdown act like you've been there and handing the ball off. You know, we live in a selfie society. Everybody wants that damn selfie. I've got actor friends that say, you know, people used to come up and tell me I love the show, I love the movie, you know, they want a moment. Now they just say, and they don't even ask, they just want a selfie to prove to others that they were with them. Right. So in this selfie age, the Michael Jordans, the Derek Jeter's of the world, really probably not so much into that perception as much as, hey, right. corporate, let's just do this with dignity, grace, and yeah. discretion. But we've spent a lot of time talking about it. I mean, the, the people that are part of our team range from 22 years old to mid-40s. Mm-hmm. Right, so especially the younger ones, and you could argue this, and I'd love to hear, if I'm wrong, I'd love to hear it, but when we talk about it, and you think about, you know, so one of the things we do is, you know, we've got a database of, I don't know, 15,000 people that have played our events, or there's a connection one way or another, and some of those are from the younger people that are on our team, and without generalizing, my guess is, you know, the 24-year-old that works for me that has a couple hundred people on LinkedIn, they're all his or her buddies that are not CEOs yet, Mm -hmm. or not decision makers yet, Right. and one, to me, it's just not worth the risk. One mishap costs a client, and if they want to post all this stuff, I don't know the benefit that we would gain with, with their audience. And Steve, I know you're way more into this than I am. Yeah. Um, so that's why we're just, we're, it's just not worth the risk. Cost-benefit principle. Same, and then on the corporate side, it's not, you know, there's, there's realities to why we do or don't uh, talk about it. You know, we've got a financial services client who's got a headcount freeze, you know, or layoffs. Those, mm-hmm. those folks that are part of that corporation probably don't want to hear about 20 people going to Pebble Beach or the next right. thing, right? Right. So there's sensitivities, and again, it's not it's not about it's well us; it's said. about their brand. I mean, that's really well said. The indeed, the, there's a way to make the argument or the conversation go either way, but the reality is the power of LinkedIn, specifically when you're talking about social media, is not who they know. It's uh, uh, it's not one to one. It's like if I know you now, I instantly know all the people you know. So all of those 24 year olds have parents that are in senior positions that see messaging. They go, oh my God, look, oh, boom, boom, and there's a connectivity that's happened to me through my kids yeah. who are out there saying, hey, look at what my dad just did, or look at what's going on, and I've gotten business because their parents are seeing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the power of LinkedIn is that you think it's one-to-one, it's one to the next degree. I don't know who you right. know, how you know them, and if they see something that is relevant to them, and so what it really circles back to, and you hit it on the head, is the risk of content, whatever content you're putting out there, if it goes bad, is that risk worth whatever? The risk reward. Right. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, it's, and people are faced with it. Look, the financial category is probably the last one to come to the party because they are scared of what advisors could say. Right. You so know, I'm probably a conundrum, honestly, because the reason I went to the Bahamas the last two days was, you know, one of my main tenets as far as how we try to sell is I don't feel like it's your job to know what we're doing, Josh. Right? Mm-hmm. We see each other two or three times a year. We're yep. friends, yep. but you don't know everything we're doing. Right. So part of what, you know, probably 30 or 40% of my travel is reminding people what we do. Mm. Because mm-hmm. again, you know, right. I'm not on a billboard. Right, right. My website's pretty passive. We clean it up once a year. And being there so on FaceTime. So, you know, you go over to, a, to you know, events in our world are somewhat of a trade show, right? Whether mm. it's, you know, Steve and Craig go to the Super Bowl and there's right. a lot of networking and it does great things for your business, right? Sure. We try to do the same thing that we can within our means and resources. Sometimes it piggybacks on a project where we're being paid to be there anyways, which is great. But sometimes it's just a calculated risk. And, you know, I went over there uh, the last couple of days. The main reason was one of our great partners invited me. Mm -hmm. And so we were going to have fun for a day or two. We do it once a year. But then in the course of being there, met a handful of people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And, you know, unless we fall over ourselves, there'll be some conversations. may not be a win, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. I mean, we win more than we lose, so 
We just need a bat. LinkedIn and all that's great. And I know you love your right. LinkedIn. <laughs> and social media is great. It's important to remember that your audience has their own audience. Correct. Some folks don't tap into the fact that your, your audience, they all have their own individual audiences. But perception and reality and sometimes being the loudest voice and the biggest and the brightest colors isn't necessarily what it is you should be doing because of who you are and whom you do it for. So I love that we're having this conversation. Because relationships at the end of the day, the digital's great, but the relationships, spending time with those partners is what matters most, and Pete's reminding everyone of that. So I love that we're having this conversation because there is no replacement for going face-to-face with people that are in your world right. and being intentional about it. The You can't do that at scale. It'd be impossible because of time, energy, you know, uh, money, yeah. you know. What LinkedIn or, you know, builds a stage that you could be visible to people all the time. Right. So when the content strategy is right, and we'll talk about this offline, I'd love to kind of help you because yours is your content when done right, especially when you're, even if you're sharing someone else's, everybody wants to see it. Everybody wants to know what happened at the tournament, who was there, where they had dinner, what, how the, you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous mm-hmm. we talked about is reality TV that people love. LinkedIn is reality TV mm-hmm. for executives. You know, people want to know how you travel, what you do, when you go, you know, where you're eating, who you're eating with. So there is a play for it. It's just most people are caught up in the fact, well, nobody really cares about what I do. Yes, they do. Yeah, you know, you know, we do, when we do these eat, e-blasts, you know, seven or eight times a year when we're doing an event that we do have to sell some inventory against. I mean, I get more comments about that from people I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we did a, uh, the announcement for Derek's event earlier today. I'll get, you know, 40 or 50 emails today saying, hey, I saw Kevin's email. Kevin's our VP, as you know. Kevin Marsh. Yeah. He's been there for a number of Your man. <laughs> so, you know, and, and on the other half of it, uh, under the auspices of reminding people what we do, you know, I've, I've gradually gotten to where I'll post some things but I want to make sure it's either organic or authentic, right? Mm, so, correct. for example, you know, a, a gentleman who was a big part of my life when I worked for Jack just got a, uh, an industry honor, you know, a couple of days ago. And if it hadn't been Thanksgiving week, I would have posted it. So now I'll post it. I have no rhyme or reason whether it's a Tuesday or a Thursday. And I know Steve can help me with that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious why you would wait and not do it during Thanksgiving. You know, I thought about doing it over the weekend thinking people like you and I are looking at our computers. Everybody's looking at their computers. So, right. uh, anyways, but you know, you know, Blake Brown who works for us sure. uh, has been, you know, we've been trying to set some goals on what's the right number of times. And, I, and in my opinion, it's not that simple because if, if it doesn't feel right, I don't want to do it. Which is a good barometer. That's really a good filter. But like I said, I'm happy to come talk to you guys. One of the things I want to uh, sort of move the conversation to is you have a really great team. You have a very good culture. How do you manage that in the face of, hey, we got work to do, we got goals to do? Because one of the things I think the audience is really um, in tune with is, hey, listen, man, we all have quotas, we all have goals, everybody, you know, but there are some hard conversations to have. How do you have those conversations in a healthy culture like you have? Like Kevin's been there forever. I mean, Kevin's been part of what I've done in one form or fashion since to the first Michael Jordan event. So 18 years. Wow. Yeah. You know, he was a really successful college golf coach and then he joined us full time uh, almost nine years ago. Thank God. (laughs) So, you know, for me and you know, Deb's a big part of it. My wife, she doesn't work on the business day to day, but she's very involved, especially with things that impact hopefully the environment we've tried to create. It goes back, I think to authenticity. You can't be full of it, you know, yet. And the employees know when they come to our group, you know, we're not a, a massive agency or a, even a company like this, you guys have hundreds of employees now, right? Mm-hmm. And then down the streets, FPL with thousands of employees. So there's things that we can and can't do from a practical standpoint. 
but I think a lot of it boils down to communication and common sense. And I am okay. not the best at HR by any means. <laughs> My ADD, I think, prohibits me from certain <laughs> skill sets. Same. But they know we care. It's, it's, never, it's never lack of effort or lack of caring, right? And we, we have limits on what we can and can't do. But we're, one of the things that I've said over the years to all of our t- team members that are either still with us or not is, you know, my goal is to not say no. So if you guys have a reasonable request, and you know, mm. and we talk about it as we've grown, there's 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 uh, there's been a need for us to be a little bit less flexible, just when you have more employees and, the, and everybody's talking. Right. But by and large, my goal is not to say no. If, if one of them texts me an hour from now and says, "Hey, I had to leave early today," I don't care. First of all, they shouldn't be texting me. But um, in all seriousness, <laughs> right. I right. don't yeah. want to say no. That's right. one of my tenets. I want to be flexible. And and by the way, they know that the the better job they do, the more passion they have the more consistent they are, they earn more flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think that's common sense for any I manager. love that as a, just a statement. I prefer to not say no. That's, that, that's a if really default, good... Yeah, if your default setting is no. Right. That's, you know, De Niro in Casino, right? <laughs> Didn't he have the thing on, the, on his desk, it said, right? It was like the answer is no. When right. but if that's we can negotiate setting, from there. Right, then that doesn't necessarily, um, you know, create a culture of foster a culture of positivity where your feelings and thoughts and ideas are valued. It would be the opposite of that, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And make people feel as though, well, I work for you. We're not a team working together. So in building of a culture, is it acquiring good people that you can teach how to be good at the job? Or is it people who are good at the job and you're hoping you can make them into decent teammates and good people? I think it depends on the level, right? right. So if, if Kevin left today and I needed to hire a VP, then you need to start with the requirements that that man or woman can succeed in that role, Right. right? But especially on the entry level, you know, even first five years in the business, especially. Well, let me backtrack. Well, Blake is homegrown, right? Didn't you grew him from? Uh, no, Blake. No? Blake was with CSE in Atlanta. Oh, I didn't know and, that. Okay. Uh, he was smart enough to marry Sarah, so he moved down to Palm Beach. <laughs> but um, shout out Sarah. Yeah, no, she's great. If you, I mean, if you need real estate, go to Sarah. But um, ooh, in all seriousness, um, no matter the level, the only thing that is a hundred percent non-negotiable is they have to have a good attitude. Mm. Yeah, they have to be a good human because in our world, any world, I guess. But especially in our world, and especially the event piece of what we do, at some point you're going to be frazzled and exhausted, and then the real you is going to come out. Mm -hmm. So if you're a jerk or you know what, it's inevitable. It always does. So we we feel like that's one thing that's non-negotiable. You know, we've found that we've had more success with people that have played sports, not because we're a sports company, but we think it's you know the idea of teamwork, right? Like you guys have a great team. Do your job. I've watched you guys grow over the years, and there's a lot of great friendships here. And sure. You care about Jordan and, and, you know, Steve and Craig have set a tone for the company. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big part of what we do. We want these guys to have each other's back. I mean, that mirrors what a lot of other CEOs who have sat in that seat have said. We actually have clients who are using that as a recruiting tool. They're going to Division two and Division three, you know, college athletes who have been on buses and worked all hours and crazy, no scholarship, you know, to play ball because mm-hmm. it teaches them camaraderie. You know, loyalty, and there's trust, no discipline. There's no right. entitlement. And, right. no entitlement. and right. they are ready to learn. So, you know, the value proposition is, hey, if you get involved with us, here's all the, the uh, intangibles you get, plus I'll teach you a career. Like yours is, mm-hmm. you know, it could be worse than working around Michael Jordan. Right. You know what I mean? I was like, that's, right. that, you know, there are other professions. That, and our you know, process is, you know, I'm, I'm bright enough to realize that all of a sudden there's a generation gap, right? These kids that are 22 could literally be my kids. Mm-hmm. So... We, I'm never involved in the first phase of recruitment. So ideally, someone on our team recommends some people or friends of, like I would have, you know, we have, two, we have two jobs we're trying to fill now, and I probably emailed Stevie and said, you know, any young kids. Mm-hmm. Often when we are uh, trying to fill a role, they've worked here. 
Really? Right. You got yeah, absolutely. Oh, a couple. Well, yeah, they have a great intern. Somebody just somebody, somebody applied the other day, and I so Diane uh, texted mm-hmm. Steph to say, hey, you know, how was this guy or lady? But you need to get past, you know, Kevin Blake and Summer are two account directors. Kevin's our VP. The first round is them, and if they don't buy off on them as a person no and point. or having the skill set, yeah. it's done. That's it. Love it. I mean, that's you know, that's how you build culture, though. You need to have your filters set. You know what? You know that that saying, "One bad apple." Yeah, I mean, Spoils you know, with bunch. us, it was always about if we didn't want to have a beer with that person, they were we were done. Right. Right. What was the point? Yeah. Because I don't want to be stuck in a bunker when it's going bad. And they go, oh, and they represent know. your company. Yeah. And your company represents these somebody. celebrities and these brands. And them, all those and guys you. as well. Of course. And we've had a couple of people leave the last three years that weren't, there was one issue with, with one that became a trust issue. With the other one, it was more of a personality, interpersonal deal. Mm-hmm. And both times the team the next day, you know, we'll always call them again and say, hey, here's what's going on. Don't, don't get into the details, obviously. Mm-hmm. Both times they're like, thank God. Like they know, it's like <laughs> oh, yeah, isn't it course. Jack Welch that says you know you don't fire people they fire themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Jack and Welch. I love that. Was it Jack Welch? I, can't I think who so. Did that one. We, we were with somebody the other day, uh, a local West Palm uh, business person, who basically said I ha- had a family member working for them, and the guy made me feel bad every single time he was in the room. I vibes. I, I let it take longer than it should, but yeah, I finally vibes. said this is not the business for you and yeah. and, and leave, even though he's family. You just you know, that's the feeling, the way you make people feel is significant. Vibes are the vibes are the vibes. Uh, and and people are either going to bring you energy and add or they're going to suck energy from you and subtract. Be careful who it is you choose to be in your circle, represent your company that represents those brands and those other companies. That was a fast thirty minutes. That was a very fast thirty minutes. That was a very fast thirty minutes. Pete, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks Congratulations on all your success, of course. Thank you. And best of luck with Super Bowl coming down here. You'll be very active, I imagine. Yes, that's the goal. That is the plan. And indeed. I will post your information so that the audience knows how to find you. And, you know, uh, we'll give a little blurb about all the corporate services you provide and stuff. Owner, Perfect. CEO, yeah. JP Sports Entertainment, yeah, LLC. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, Steve, we always wrap up with you telling us something good, Shaka Khan style. So why don't we do that as this, you tie up number 86? So if you want to take a look at what's in front of me, I know that the audience uh, that's listening can't. But anybody watching, we are eating San Bernardo uh, ice cream. You're going to start hearing a lot about these guys. Italian cheesecake, sea salt, wow. caramel. What's, so that? what's the mint chocolate double fudge? What was Unbelievable. That one? This is double mint chocolate fudge brownies. It so. needs to be on Willie Nelson's tour bus. Yeah. Snoop Dogg's tour yeah, bus. Without a doubt. That's man. an end of a night kind so, of So uh, we're going to have an ice cream party. Does it get better than ice cream? Ice cream is a happy food. So uh, shout out to my friends, uh, Stacy and Jonathan. Thanks for the, uh, the, uh, the assortment here. And uh, eating ice cream. Send is more a good ice thing. cream. So, Send yes, more ice indeed. cream. So. Want to go for eighty-seven? Let's go for eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Let's do man. that. We'll go yeah. for eighty-seven. So here's the cool thing: we're gonna have a party when we hit a hundred. All hundred guests will be invited. So we'll see you again. Bro. I'm just happy I'm in the top hundred. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he did have a couple guests twice. So feel bad about that. Just know that. For Steve Noodleberg, Josh Cohen, saying thank you for listening. We will catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody. We did good.